Probably yeah. do big boy voice. Yeah. Oh, 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 no, no. We don't want him to do big boy voice. My ears will start bleeding with the headphones on. <laughs> I'll die. Okay. Talk to the big boy voice then, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Always primo advice listening to Dunkalicious. Mm-hmm. You should. <laughs> and do the opposite. And do the opposite. <laughs> right. <Yes>. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that travels when you can't. And this, I'm Rob, and uh, if you're missing Dennis, Richard, or Kevin, that's because I was the only one that was able to make it. But I am at the Flying Monkey Con, Flying Monkey Con. It's not just a GT, and actually that's one of the things we're going to be talking about, that it's not just a GT anymore. Uh, so I'm here in Wichita, Kansas, and I am joined today right now by uh, John Champ. Good day. Uh, John is uh, actually one of the crew from Minnesota of the Renegade Open, but uh, he was running the friend, the 40K friendly event here at the Flying Monkey at behest of Bam Bam, right? Uh, correct. Uh, returning a favor that was paid to us. <laughs> yeah, because he did the streaming at Renegade Open. Yep. They came up there. They traveled the, you know, eight and a half hours from down here to there, and uh, I was happy to return the favor and travel it back down and and do what I could for these guys. And uh, I obviously played in the friendly because uh, we've, ever since playing the LVO friendly a couple of years ago, we've been big fans of having a companion friendly event to go alongside a GT. And I figure I should put, if I'm, if I'm going to be supportive of that, I should put my money where my mouth is. So I chose to play in the friendly. Well, first tell us about like, the, the friendly format that you guys use. Because we've talked about the LVO friendly format, but the Renegade crew does something a little bit different. Yeah, so uh, we build our own CAD, uh, which is, if you would reach all the way back to 5th edition, uh, you would find that's the CAD that you were all building way back then, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, But we did honor the 0-3 to three format that we hold in 8th edition, uh, and we also got rid of uh, Lords of War and Forge World. Mm-hmm. So uh, beyond that, it was it was just uh, just one detachment, five command points, kept it as simple as possible. Yeah, and your and even the missions are kind of throwback missions as well. Yep, throwback missions, but still were renegade style language and format, mm-hmm. but very very simple. And, and if uh, if you're not familiar for one of our newer listeners, we've talked uh, on past episodes, and if you listen to our coverage of either the Renegade Open in years past or Midwest Conquest in years past. Uh, Renegade format, you tend to do like so many, like you can accrue so many points a turn for a particular thing, and then there's usually like an end of game component. Basically, like if you did more than your opponent, you get some bonus points. Correct. So, but yeah, it was good old fashioned like capture and control, seize ground, kill points. Very little upkeep. Yes. Yeah, pretty easy to track. How, so, how you, you were the TO, so how do you feel it went? Uh, I felt that the tournament was great. Um, I wish that we could have had. More of you guys here with us. We were planning on twenty, hoping for ten, and got six. <laughs> well, and you had like you had eight signed up, and two didn't make it, and then right, yep. And they were coming from uh, way up in North Dakota, so yeah, they so... were traveling further than most. Yeah. So okay. So fair enough. Some things happen, and that is a long trek to make if if things look dicey. So yep. Uh, but as far as the tournament went, I thought that uh, I mean everything was fantastic. The prize support from the Flying Monkeys was 
over the top, I think, for what six guys could have. <laughs> uh, everybody walked away with something, uh, including half the crew walking away with door prizes on top of uh, you know, getting prizes for, for what we had here. Yeah, I so. definitely cannot complain about the level of prize support. It has been very generous. Very. So we gave away everything from uh, mats for Best Sportsman. Rob walked away with a plaque for Best Painted. Thank you. Right? And uh, and we had some uh, good creature cats. And a Talos. And a Talos. And, yeah. and, a, and a set of, of uh, Army Painter brushes, too. Yeah, it was Army Painter. That's right. Yep. Right? And, uh, and then for the uh, Best Overall, which was... Uh, his name was William Harvey, who actually, when I did the scorecards for painting, I had to pull over one of the judges from the main event uh, that was BAM, because I had Rob and, and Will's uh, armies uh, uh, stacked on top of each other for best paint, and I couldn't make the decision solely on my own. So it, it was it was a hobbyist event, and it should have been. Yeah. And, and to uh, full disclosure, while I did win best painted, Technically, Will scored a couple of points higher than me got because you by of that. Two. But, but got, got me by two, which I got a chance. I did play against him round two, and it was a phenomenally painted army. Well, so, well, how many did you play? Death Guard, uh-huh. along with the other like we, there were four out of the six of us were playing Death Guard. It was a very <laughs> Death Guard friendly event. That's <laughs> a lot of patty cake going on. Yeah, but since he won best overall, then it fell back to me to get best painted. So best painted asterisk, but I'm still <laughs> I'm still going to put that plaque up in my uh, or, my trophy case as you should. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and, and like sportsmanship levels were really good too. I think everybody was chill. Everybody got into the spirit of it being a friendly event. It was probably more of like, "Hey, how does this work exactly?" Well, more than more than like, "I don't think he's right or wrong" kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there were any like any issues. I, I mean, I don't there think was, every- there was not a single judge call about. Hey, I think this guy's doing it wrong, and it's right. making me feel bad. I don't think there were any feel bads. No, anywhere. no, it was just a. There was a clear. You know, it was like maybe clarifications on like rules, whether it's people that are playing in their own like they're used to playing in their own like more re- relaxed group that maybe haven't caught on to all the nuances of the rules or things like that. And which kind of gets back to one of the conversations we had based on a listener letter last episode by a lot of these rules updates and FAQ updates are scattered all over the place, so it's easy for people to miss things if they're not constantly on top of it. Right, but uh, and actually, I got a chance to play uh, the art. The winner of Best Sportsman, Clifford McAllister, last round, and that you know he went in. He was zero and two going in, as was I. Uh, and you know, when the game started, he was kind of uh, oh my dice have been crap all day, and oh I'm probably going to lose this. And and I mean, but you know, as the game moved on, you know his his mood per you know it's like and that I think that was a good sign. It's like. Yes, he's had a kind of rough day, and it's hard when you're like going into that and every nothing has gone right for you all day to to have, start down. But by the end of it, he was like, "No, this was a great game. I had a lot of fun, and and I still, I mean, I ended up winning five to four. It was real close, but yeah, it well, I mean, it came down to uh, I had to make a decision on best sportsman um, because each one of you wrote down each other player <laughs> at least once for best sportsman. So nice. uh, so it came down to what I seen uh, and just watching uh, Rob, you and him play. That's where I gave him best sportsman because mm-hmm. I seen him play each game. Uh, he easily could have taken worst overall in the event. Dan uh, uh, Word took that uh, playing Necrons, and uh, and he took that on the chin like a champ. But uh, so uh, Rob, but you skirted the toilet. You didn't get the toilet. Trophy. I did not. He did not. No. Uh, Dan Dan got the uh, the toilet trophy. But Cliff, uh, I got to see him pick his head up. He never once made a single complaint. He was more than courteous. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the games uh, that he had played didn't finish, but he was like, this is great. I'm playing Warhammer. This is why I came. Right. And uh, Clifford McAllister, he's 
he has been in the 40K scene in Wichita for 20 years, right? And all I would say almost all that terrain that was played with the friendly was made by him. Well, yeah, yeah, neat yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll see on the bottom of the terrain it'd be CJM, which is Clifford McAllister. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, okay, that's very cool. That's that's a nice connection there, right? Yep. But I, uh, you know, when I called him out as best sportsman, watching him pick his head up, like, wait, what me? What? You know? <laughs> uh, that that was a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So, no, that and that's good. And that again, getting back to that is the spirit of the event. That and that's kind of why, like, I, one of the reasons why I like supporting friendly events. Uh, besides the fact that, like, not every – like, there's a number of the players there that if you had dropped into a GT, probably would not have had as good a time. I mean, not not even on, like, a play level, but just the – there's a difference in attitude versus, for a competitive event versus a more casual event. And I think the people that were playing in the friendly event came wanting to just, like, I want to play 40K. I want – you know, I want to play in a tournament. I want to play different people, play different missions. But I don't necessarily want to be, like, you know, balls of the walls, hard, you know, hard play. And that's one of the reasons why I like that. Because otherwise, yeah, it gets you more people for your GT. But, the, like, one of the reasons we did a friendly at Midwest was because that way it kind of separates out the those, you know, the players who just want – who – don't want to be competitive with the ones that do because then, you know, you get cases where somebody clubs a baby seal round one and, you know, it's not good. They're not going to enjoy it because they didn't get a good game, competitive game out of it. And the person who got clubbed doesn't enjoy it because they just got rolled by an army that is way more effective than theirs. And they walk away maybe not with a feel bad, but with a disappointment of, of, wow, I traveled all this way and this is what I got. Yeah. Uh Right. Yep. But yeah, uh, so will you do it again next year? Absolutely. I would be happy to come back and, and do it again. I don't want John back next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it was great. I, I, I was really happy with the turnout and, and uh, the players and everything. And the prizes for them, I think they enjoyed it. So that's, that's my goal is if everybody, I should say everybody, if most people are happy with how everything turned out and how the gameplay and their prize, then... That's that's good for me. So so, so here now, uh, Flying Monkey Con twenty twenty friendly's going to come back. It's going to have eighty six players. right? Eighty six <laughs> players. Yeah. That is an ambitious goal, yeah, sir. It's not that, no, no. no, but it'd be great if we had somewhere between twenty and thirty. Yes. I think yes. if we can make yeah, it we grow hit, that big. We hit twenty for our first friendly at Midwest, and I think I don't think there's any reason why you guys couldn't. hit I that. think there's a place for it. Uh, you know, in in conventions. Yes, right? absolutely. Because like I said, you know, it's like not everybody that's going to come to play once is wanting to play competitively. So. Right. Yep. So next year, one thing I would definitely change is that uh, when 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 players show up to the table, I don't just want a pretty army in a game. I want to start seeing guys bring some sort of narrative uh, theme that goes along with the display board, that goes along with what they're throwing down on the table. I want to sit down and talk to a player, hear their story about what's going on as, I, as I'm judging their paint, right? When I see a display board that tells me a story... Yes. Based on an army, I know that I got a guy who bellied up to the table, who his heart is all in. He doesn't care what the, what the outcome is. This is a new battle. This is something that I could make a book out of, and that's all I'm looking for. And I'll tell you, if we had one player at this event that would have pulled that off, it would have been Clifford. Because I don't know if you saw his display board that he set up after the event. Like, he's got jars filled with, like, 
like plastic or rubber. Like, do you recall the first Fly Monkey Con? Yes, or I remember seeing it was Fly Monkey GT. That was he, the same display board. Yes, right? it is. Awesome. He's got like these lit chemical <laughs> containers and the like. He's got this great scenic board, and yeah, and then like he prints out his uh, his army list and I'm, like looking like a scroll, and it's like that's exactly the feel you want to get absolutely for, for, yep. for a theme based friendly event. Yep, and uh, and and certainly. Uh, would like a chance to uh, find a way to implement uh, more chances to win more prizes based on the thematic stance as well as, you know, the sportsmanship. How do we tie it all together, mm-hmm. right? So feedback in any of them formats. Somebody out there in podcast land has some fantastic ideas I want to know about. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's somebody out there who's got that. And, like, I can, like, I can give you the ideas, like, this, but, like, Pretty much all ours we stole from LVO. So, so you know, no, I can't lay any claim to, to the basic plan other than uh, just we're working on refining. But, like, I even know LVO this year, they're switching to – I was talking with uh, Nathan Martin and Nathan Damp, actually, who got a chance to play each other. But I was talking with uh, – because Nathan, Nathan won Best Theme at LVO Friendly 2018. And so he's going to try to go back this year. He's actually currently signed up for the championship. But he says he may switch over to the Friendly. And apparently they're switching to, they had done 100 PL last year, which is what we did. And they're switching to 2,000 points just because PL doesn't get updated, points do. Right. Yeah. And, and we actually had a couple of players uh, who had signed up for the friendly for Midwest swap over to the GT because they're like, well, we play Mechanicus and now our points have been completely redone. Yeah. We can get a lot more stuff on the table than we could in power level. So, so yeah, we'll probably switch to that as well. And I know, like, you had talked at the end of the Friendly about possibly bumping up from, like, because we were playing 1,500 points and possibly bumping up to maybe 1,750. Yeah, I don't. I think that I might, like, a 1,750 format uh, and allowing a Lord of War um, into into the CAD somewhere. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that uh, a lot of guys, uh, even thematically putting, you know, I mean, some of these models that are bigger, they're so beautiful. um, Mm -hmm. And it's not encouraging them guys to bring that artistry uh, to the table with them, and I think that takes away from the game. Yeah, and like the example I've given is, if somebody wants to play like Thousand Suns, I you know, I don't mind seeing a Magnus. Right. Somebody wants to play Death Guard, I, show me a Mortarian. I don't want to see Mortarian Magnus Renegade Knight at right. a friendly event because that, no. that's not. And no offense to to Bert Applebaum, who was one of our winners at uh, I think took best overall at the fly at the Midwest Conquest friendly. Oh, is that what he took? Four knights. Four knights. <laughs> oh, four yeah. or, I mean, beautifully converted orc knights. Absolutely fantastic. He would like, if he hadn't won best overall, he would have been one best head. Right. And a knight list, because we run pure maelstrom missions, random missions, random objectives, random deployment map, it's like knight armies don't do as well at Maelstrom as other armies can. Right. But it's still, when those knights are like 24 PL, 24 PL, 24 PL, 24 PL. Yeah, that fits way too easily into into a hundred, mm-hmm. and yeah, it can. It the great thing is, Bert's a great guy to play against, and he so he's not going to leave you with like feel bad feelings. But it's still rough to go up against a Fortnite list right. in that format. So yeah, we'll probably do something similar and limit the number of lords of war taken. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and I'd like I'd love nothing more than to collaborate with you guys and see if we can come up with something that is our own. A little bit more of a, a, a Midwest-friendly format? Yep. I'd be, I'd be 100% on board with that. Yeah. Oh, and, I, and if I haven't introduced the third voice you've oh. been hearing, because he you know, kind of jumped in in the mid-conversation, uh, this is uh, Duncan Ensminger, a.k.a. Dunkalicious, from the uh, Flying Monkey Wargaming Podcast. That's right. That's me. Yes. 
and who is one of the TOs here at uh, at the Flying Monkey Con. Well, more of more of an administrator. Administrator. That's, yeah, that's yeah. why I, I, I th- called him the Flying Monkey Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. At least on this weekend, I'm the Flying Monkey as Mom. Loud well, as I am the. I'll call myself the stepmom. Patty's actually the real mom, and sure. And I'm gonna give her a shout out. Uh, she might listen. I don't know, but she's the only reason why Flying Monkey Con happens is because of her. So. Just want to give her a shout out, but yeah, Bam is just a pretty face. That's but, right. Uh, <laughs> He's a pretty face and a loud voice. Duncan is the backbone for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you want to come out next year, we plan on having it the same weekend. We have all kinds of events. We have 40k. We have uh, Age of Sigmar. We have the friendly event. We have 30k. We have Kings of War. We have X. We got Blood Bowl. We have D and D. We got board games. So you had Shadespire going. Oh, no, we had Shade. I forgot. Shade. Yeah, we have Shadespire. I mean, we had a Night Joust. Which fell, but fell a little flat, but it was still fun. So yeah, so yeah, I, w- I did want to talk a bit about the night job yeah. since I was one of the three participants. <laughs> yes. and, and you know, and one thing we found is like last year we ran our night job Saturday night, uh-huh. and that's still rough because you start a bit later and everybody's already tired. Right. From, I mean, you get a lot more people. But the downside is when you get more people, it takes longer. And our night just didn't. We started at eight p.m. and it didn't finish till two. Holy shit. We had 20 players in it, and <laughs> we made the critical error of running 20 people on one table round one. If we did it again, we would split them up into two right. separate tables to get those games done faster. But So we moved this year, we moved it to Friday, and we still had about 10 people show up. Yeah. But people who tend to be, who like might be traveling further and rolling in they late. They just want to go home. Yeah. You know, go to their hotel room and go to sleep. So, yeah, yeah, so it, it's, it makes it's a bit sense. harder. But there's so, there's so much fun though. Oh they god, are. they're they're a blast. I, I remember I remember uh, your Midwest uh, 2017 or 2018 uh, night joust yeah. where Cheryl yes I had won that With one two armagers. Right? No, that was uh, that was uh, Nell the from she's the daughter of the guy that runs Peculiar Game and Hobby who had never played a game of 40k in her life by the way. <laughs> and her brother lent her two armagers, which had just come out because Forge Bay was just out. Right. And she proceeded to take it all the way to the final game. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, and it was that's a lot. So cool. Yeah, but that hype that we all had around that table was, uh, I mean, the energy was absolutely right. awesome. We're all and yelling at each about. other. That's what it's and about, despite right? the fact that it's 2 a.m. and we're all exhausted, we're right. just so pumped on everything happening. Yep. That's fun. And, and Yeah, fine, but finding a way to keep that around and bring it back. Yes. Right, then we know that we're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, the, the Night Joust, in fact, I think the first Night Joust I played in was Flying Monkey Year One. Yeah. It yeah. was, and it was yeah. a blast. Yep. There are tons of fun. And you got even more prizes from that. Yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, <laughs> so it was me, Mike Keys, who is a fantastic night player and night yeah, painter. Right. And uh, Larry Davis, who had a uh, nice custodes night with some, like, shape-away parts. And, nice. Uh, so we did, since there were three of us, and one of the things on a night joust is it's supposed to be last person standing. <laughs> wow. And with only three people, it's like, well, don't want to just play one round. Right. That'd be too, you know. So we decided to play three rounds, and... In the end, somehow we each managed to come away with a win. Yeah, I think it was collusion because I told you guys I was like, if y'all three, you know, oh, no. kill each other. So, so okay. So here's the thing: we were talking about like you know we had talked about that like hey, if well if you know if each of us wins, we all get a prize. And uh, Mike is, and so basically, I'm like, well, I've I was the only one with, going into round three. I was the only one without a win, so I yeah. decided to hide myself in the corner. And Mike and Larry. Like Mike took Larry out, right? Took a, he took some damage, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so 
And and Mike was also carefully measuring his range because I was playing a, a thermal cannon Avenger cannon uh, Avenger Gatling uh, Crusader, so right. I had a thirty six inch threat range, yeah, forty eight with my missiles, right. but, but most of my guns were at thirty six. So Mike's spending the whole game measuring how because he's in like the far corner from me. He's like oh, how because yeah. f- he's got t- dual battle cannon he's renegades, renegade, so right. he's like yeah. he's like how far away do I have to stay from you as, and. He did not – if there was any collusion, he did not hold back. <laughs> and it came down to um, – I saw it. Yeah, yeah that I've final where, it. where it's yeah. like he – yeah, it's like – You guys were both sitting on two wounds. Yeah, going yeah. – like we were No, just, Rob had three. I had th- you had three and then Mike shot you again and he only peeled off two, two wounds. Yeah. He had uh, battle cans go through. Yeah. Right, but he only did one damage, and it was like, oh my god. Yeah, and then I managed to sink the last <laughs> yeah. hit with the thermal cannon. Oh, it was, it was awesome. It, yeah. Oh, it's, so so if it was collusion, I earned that. <laughs> I had to right. fight for that. But it was such an epic finale to that right. event. So it was awesome. So I think Mike, uh, he got the creature caster. Or was that you? That was me that got the creature, creature caster. caster. I got the. Uh, I think it's the Lord of Sorrows. It's this new fly demon prince they have. Nice. Which will go very nicely with my Death Guard yeah. army. And then I don't know what I get the other ones. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike got like some uh, conversion pieces. Oh, he got um, Wargaming exclusive uh, like Chaos Space Marine Lord. And then um, and then Larry got a chess set. Yeah, a nice, <laughs> it was a nice chess. It's set a nice chess with, set. A, with a carrying case and everything. Yeah. So. Yep. No, it was it was a blast. And night night jousts are one of those. It's a great kind of. It's an icebreaker yeah, event. I it's totally agree. And usually, like even like cost of. You know, some events, like, going into a GT, you have to have, like, a 2,000-point army. You have to pretty much bring your own 2,000-point army. A Night Joust is a great event where usually if somebody owns a knight, they own several knights. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's usually somebody around who will lend you a oh, knight yeah. to use. Yeah. So there, there's no excuse to, to not play in one. Right. The entry fee is usually really, really low, like 5 10 bucks. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just a blast. I, I highly recommend any any event try to make space to have yes, one. Yes, you should. Yeah. You should. I'm I'm trying I'm tr- I'm going to play in the LVO friendly this year and I'm trying to see if it's I think I went ahead and bought a ticket for the night joust I don't know what time it overlaps with the friendly but I definitely want to play and because their night joust is huge oh yeah I can only imagine and theirs is probably a little bit different format too it's more like you if you die you're done isn't that how it works it might be I, it might be single instead of splitting it like we usually do yeah because we usually here. do the you know. Like split everybody into two teams, and then winning team gets split into two, and right. then going until there's two people left. But yeah, theirs might be single limit, like like last person's basically more of a melee than right. a, than a joust. So so John, having traveled from Minnesota to be down here, obviously like you came down with several members of your crew, including Dave Ehrman from the Renegade and Jeremiah, Jeremiah Pettit. Pettit. Yep, who has an absolutely beautiful uh, custodes army. Yeah, and he's doing well in the uh, in the GT here. I think so we're on round five of the GT right now, and I believe he's on the streaming table as we speak. As we speak, yep. So, unfortunately, this will be out a few days later, so uh, we'll link. I'm sure they'll have a record, like, they'll have the video of the of the game up, so we'll be sure to link on to it. On Iron Halo TV. Yes. Dot Twitch, I think. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're on Twitch. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so you guys can see this army, because he's got this uh, custodes army on the shore and like the the grav tanks are all uh, like have water effects on the base, and then like some of the custodes are like half on sand, half in the water. It, the basing is yeah, yeah, and and his uh, his display board matches the bases of all the models. Yes, so it's like it's made to be the models are meant to be placed in a certain place to get the everything to line up. But yep. 
and the paint is this beautiful, like, uh, I don't want to call it candy apple, maybe more candy cherry yeah. uh, effect to it. Like hot rod, yeah, it's got that, that high gloss hot rod red to it. Yeah, and then he's done a, a whole bunch of stenciling and stuff on the models, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely beautiful army. Yeah, no, it, it'll look fantastic on the stream, I bet. So It will, it will for yeah. sure. And then uh, I know Dave Armand, he's right up there, too. He's doing well with his, yeah, with he's, his knights. He's, yeah, he brought a, a knight and a guard platoon. I got a chance to talk with him a little bit before starting recording, and he's like, yeah, the knight's not e- the knight is almost more a gigantic distraction card effect. So he's, he said it's his tank commanders that are actually getting the job done. Yeah, and uh, I mean, just, I, I've been helping to the uh the uh gt this afternoon here and seeing the diversity of the um lists that are in the top 10 right now is fantastic because there's not a duplicate of any sort right now amongst the top 10 that's awesome because and that i think that does say something about where the game is now that like there there are still definitely like tiers of armies and some armies can be like can be carried by like generalships. Some can lean a little bit more on their army rules, but there's much more. I think the the tiering is much more even now. Like there's more armies that are fully capable in the hands of good generals. Absolutely. Yep. You don't see the uh, you don't see the three or four knight lists that are sitting at the top right now, right? Or or all Eldar flyer lists. Yeah. No, there's a Eldar flyer list, but otherwise it's custodes demons. One squad of, uh, you know, there, I think there's Imp Guards sitting up there right now. Um, there, Nicholas Weiss is doing really well with Tau, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I mean, the diversity is fantastic. It's right where 40K should be. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, yeah, and so it's, I think it's showing how, what a healthy event and environment we're in right now. And obviously the lion's share of the praise has to go to GW for trying to keep on, ta- on top of this. And I know going into competitive play had to be a bit of a shock for them when they, like, that it, that first Adepticon of Eighth Edition last year, like when they when they uh, had to delay the big FAQ because they're like, oh, this is how people play the game. <laughs> yeah, seeing the uh, American version of competitive 40k, I think, was an eye opener. Yeah, and it, I I don't know what it is about Americans and that we we tend to break game systems whenever possible. I believe it's the goal for some to just straight up break the game. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, well, why, like, why did you take nine demon princes, or why did you? Well, it was like Matt Root's flyrant list from a definite. Like, why did you take nine flyrants? Well, you didn't say I couldn't because it's dumb and I could. That it's would be the, yeah. his answer to you, right? So, and there's a lot of that going on, and I think that uh, between the uh, large collection of playtesters that they have, yes, uh, and they're listening, right? Uh, and know, that's the that's the big thing is that they're I, paying attention. I think you should be looking around your computer or something right now to see if you're bugged <laughs> to see if they're listening to you. So, uh, I, but I think that they're listening to uh, you know some of the American side podcasts. They're listening to to player feedback and the way that they troll the forums on Facebook mm-hmm. is absolutely hilarious. Oh, it is. Yeah, no, their social media team. It is such a a long. Long, it's such a huge change from uh, where they're like when they first started doing social media. They they kind of went into a taking our ball and going home. If anybody says something about us that we don't like, and now yeah, they just roll with it and they'll troll you right back. Yep, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. But that's uh, you know once again tribute to them for uh, doing what they're doing. They've they've made eighth edition I think uh, since I've been playing, which has only been since sixth. But I've seen and heard a lot of the horror stories of old, and then all the way through GW pretty much completely disappearing, mm-hmm. right, to the 
uh, insurgence of ITC and now the collaboration with them and yes. GW. Right, it's uh, it's become more a family, uh, you know, thing, and and I think that the game has done nothing but benefit from it. Yeah, and I and I really do think it's that it would have been very easy for Games Workshop to decide when they when they wanted to to dip their toes back into supporting competitive play to have decided to just kind of bully their way in and say we're only count like we're going to run events our way and those are the only things that matter and we're not going to support any of these events that don't go the way we want them to and that would have been absolutely the wrong way to do it because it would have alienated the entire competitive player base i mean there would have been players who would be like okay fine i'll play this because that's what's being supported but i'm not I, i'm not going to enjoy it and i think there would have been a lot of people who would have left for other games because they don't want to that's not the attitude you want to take towards your player base and Instead, they've said, like, okay, so who's running stuff right now? Okay, like, who's running the big events? Well, let's talk with them and collaborate with them. And, and, and they're watching the list, and they're, uh, you know, and they're pulling data, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, uh, uh, Peter Falcon uh, has his uh, database website that he's got going on. He's on a few other podcasts. I mean, he was just talking about collaborating together information from, like, 12,000 games or something like that that he has data on. Right, so and the t- the statistics all show, right, this between forty five and fifty five percent win rate on armies, which is right where everything needs to be at. Yeah, yeah, and uh, also props to like Paul McKelvey and the BCP crew for coll- especially now with like list submission and, and also on the tournament organizers who are embracing that and enforcing list submission for their events and making sure like you need to have your lists in ahead of time so that we a so we can get rid of those issues in the past where lists come in and like oh it turns out that list isn't isn't legal at all or or that list is five points over and it shouldn't have been as organizers uh i mean both of us being i mean that that bcp app is absolutely invaluable with uh with being able to keep us all organized absolutely uh i I mean it's did amazing jobs and props to them guys too. And for any everything from like you used it for the friendly, we had six players, but you still had it. People could still check in their list, so you can yep. see what everybody's doing. All the way up to an eighty to one hundred person GT. But to, I mean, LVO uses it in there like four hundred and fifty five hundred players. So uh, yeah, yeah, and they're looking at, at growing even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, you can pull the data. Um, right out of it and and look at where what factions are doing what at what tournaments you can you can flip all that data on its head and do whatever you want right and i know people have been like i think when uh pablo was like from chapter tactics was on the show and like he was helping jason with the event and uh basically like kind of looking like here's what the like the top units that were being used like the most popular units it was interesting to like one of the top three was like uh Tau Firewater Strike Squads, just because people were running, like Tau players were running so many of them. So it's just interesting to get, be able to pull those kinds of metrics right away from just like being able to, from, from an event as it's happening. Yep. And having that data available. Yeah, I can imagine, I can only imagine that GW is loving basically having us as the largest beta testing pool. Yeah. GW, please fix Space Marines. Yeah, and and listen to uh, uh, our Datasheet Doctors episode, GW, a couple episodes back on on just how one might go about doing that. Yeah, all of the all the Space Marine factions, including the you know Dark Angels, Blood Angels, Space Wolves, they're all very underperforming. Yeah, uh, as far as the the 40k as a whole. Yeah, and I, on and, the bottom. And I think that's you know part of that is 
they were the basic design. Like whereas like Blood Angels, Dark Angels came out a little bit later in the Codex rollout for Eighth Edition. They're all still based off of the Space Marine standard and as like the first codex that was like one of the first codexes released, you feel that in that the design has shifted that much since then. It has. And I think uh, the, the Chaos Space Marines, I think, got a, a big bump mm-hmm. with, uh, with the Vigilist stuff that came out. They did. Right. And yeah. they also had a full supplement that came out. Well, they had well, they had a like basically a 2.0 codex come out that rolled in. The unit, like the new units from like Shadow Spear and Vigilus, so that you know there was one updated book that had everything in it, and yeah, and so you're and you're seeing a lot of like uh, the a lot of the chaos lists are running like triple Lords Discordant because that that unit has proven to be well worth its points. It has, and it's a force that's been uh, in several GTs, including here. Yes, yeah, so. So some of the and so it doesn't necessarily have to be like a wholesale change of the army, but sometimes just certain components need to be need to be tweaked to bring everything else up. Well, I think that just an eighth edition as a whole, that three up save area really isn't as good as you think it. It would is be. not it, because this is a volume of fire edition, and a three up save will not. You know, you're going to fail enough of those. Just mathematically, you know, you're going to fail a third of those, and if somebody is throwing gets 30 wounds on you and you have a squad of 10 math says you're gonna die you know that squad's gonna get wiped and the ap system is less is actually less forgiving than the old one by far yep even even compared to to seventh edition Mm -hmm. no i mean even with that so yeah i mean space marine armies aren't doing as well as they could be but i know they they've been struggling necrons have definitely been struggling um, Mechanicus is doing better now since they got their points drops. That was what that army needed, though, and that was all that army needed. They have all of the tools on the shelf. They they're just, just couldn't too expensive. Get, they couldn't get them together. Yes. And now they've got that. Plus, they're getting the new transport, which we'll see if that actually, if that even ends up being used much. Well, if you have seen the weapons that come off of that yes. hover tank style one, it looks pretty hot. Yeah, especially the gun that doesn't even need line of sight to fire. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, they've got some. They've got some neat stuff. I, th- I think you'll see more of the hover tanks than the hover transports. But we'll Agreed. See. Yep. I just started a Mechanicus army that I'm still building, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to run at least two of those, if yeah. not three. <laughs> On the other hand, I don't think we needed a new repulsor tank. It needed more guns. It needed more guns, which I think that that's what the new one is coming out with. It is, well, it, I think it has the same number of guns. It's mostly got one much bigger gun, and then it's got the... Uh, it, it's got Nick, like Aquila Optics, which is basically the same ability like Lehman Russ's and Fire Prisms have, that if it only moves half its distance or less, that it can fire twice at the same target. Which is something that it needed. Yes. Because it was just a giant plastic block in the middle of the table that mm-hmm. was a huge target. Uh, and I think with the exit of uh, the Castellan being so relevant in the meta, yeah. um, that now I hope to see some more of these repulsors and stuff start to come back. Yeah, that new repulsor, the gun on it, was it strength 10, AP minus 4, D6 damage that can never be less than 3? Correct. Yeah, that is that is going to be nasty. And, yep. and heavy too. And heavy too. And heavy yep. too. And getting to shoot twice at half range. That sounds that sounds like all the Or not even too. half range, just half movement. Or, right, half movement. Yeah, so... Well, we'll see if that if and still it. I think it has like Razorback level transport capacity as well. So I think four it's primaris. Six, yeah, four primaris, which it's. I, 
it's still weird to me that their their main battle tanks have transport capacity, but I suppose it works. I, I mean, I, I think it's a good mechanic, and I don't. I still think we're we have a shortage of transports for Primaris. I will agree with that. Right. I, I think they. I still think they need some sort of a drop pod style thing. Uh, and yes, I'm saying drop pod will help, but uh, I, I do think that it is a way to get them downfield where they need to be. Or even a, a cheaper version, something that's more of a grav rhino would be, you know, an ultra. Because like right now you've got the repulsor, which is a ten person transport made of gun, but it's so. I mean, it's it's like land raider levels of yeah. It's a, it's a huge commitment. Yep. Yeah, and if you had something like uh, rhino is about seventy points. If you had something that was in the hundred hundred twenty five point 125 range, twenty five I think would be appropriate. Yeah, uh, give it one better gun. Right, give it a single gun, single las cannon, double assault cannon, something, yeah. something along that line, and, and let it and let it hover, and then, yep, throw throw a squad of troops in it so they can get downfield and deploy. So you got uh, you know uh, some beat sticks running down the field for space marines. Yeah, right. Then because still trying to get even Primaris marines to run up the field with three up armor is not it's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and it's also interesting, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the Crusader is not nearly as much of an issue, or not the Crusader, the uh, Castellan is no longer such an issue, uh, great, is no longer the issue that it once was thanks to the chapter approved updates. Uh, or no, it wasn't chapter approved, it was the big FAQ updates. The big FAQ, FAQ updates, update. yep. Uh, and now it's interesting to see that the Knight Crusader has kind of stepped into that role of, the, of being the more reasonable shooty knight. Now. Yep, and we, we have uh, seen at least four, three... Uh, uh, of the Crash Crusader lists, which is still highly effective, mm-hmm. um, but it's also not at the top tables. Right. Remember, Crash is the one that gets That's extra shots. Way up with the with the mask, it does extra wounds. Yes. Yep. So, so you get uh, the ten or more wounds. It does an extra point of damage. Titanic. It does an extra two per shot. So even their heavy stu- stubbers coming off the chest are doing three damage a hit. Oof. That is rough. Yep. Uh, it, it, which is which is fun to see for for night players. It's still going to make them relevant, um, but I think that the missions that are in place through ITC and stuff like that don't they do, they just don't favor these uh, low model count lists that we have. At least at least these uh, you know ten to fifteen models, right? You got uh, I've seen one list out there doing well that was uh, three cru- three crusaders with uh, the rusty seventeen uh, with two armagers, uh-huh. and he was doing incredibly well. Right until this last round, he was like fourth, I think. Um, but he lost to Jeremiah, but he uh, is is tabled up to uh, an opponent now that looks like he's going to do incredibly well. Uh, gets to take first turn and and is and you know he's doing work like he should be doing. Yeah, well, and first turn is such a huge advantage when you've got an army like that. Yep, I still think I still think we might have a little bit of a power creep with those that take first turn, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's so hard to prepare for, uh, especially when you when you have a low model count army. And then you get seized on because you've you, you you're planning on going first. Matter of fact, most of these armies count on going first. Yeah. And when they get seized on and don't, it's oftentimes feels kind of bad. Yeah, and it's it's like you almost have to plan on going second, but then that doesn't necessarily put you in the right offensive position that you need to be in. Yep. And I never want to play a game based on luck. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You you need to have you can't base your battle plan on luck at all. Right. Yeah, it, and you can base it on dice. You can try and do it with, uh, you know, the odds are in my favor. Uh, I still don't think that's a good a good build plan. No, no, it is not. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, so for example, uh, Troy Graber, who also from the Inquisition Army, he is playing this Yes, an Inquisition, uh, plus some assassins. He's got like a vanguard of like 
I think four assassins or something. Yep. Yep. And uh, so he, he's he's going for top imperial agents basically, and uh, his and, and I was talking with him between I think uh, either before or no it was I think between round four and five, and he's like basically his army can like he had to fight a crass knight list. And he managed to take down one of the knights with, like, a land raider with a heavy, like, twin heavy bolters on it because he's got Jacaro on there helping, you know, boost them a bit. But he's like, for my games to win, my dice have to be with me the whole way. And if they're not, then I just get, just get rolled. Yeah, he has the ability to make all kinds of saves all over the board. He's very defensive, not offensive. Uh, so he's very survivable, but it, it's still, if he can't get his, uh, you know, his shooting phase to do what it needs to do, Nobody can just survive that level of fire for right. that long. Yeah, and yeah, he said basically, if he needed, if there was one thing he needed to add, it's uh, it's anti vehicle firepower. Like he can deal with infantry for days. Strength eight, he's in trouble. Yeah, or T eight, T eight, yeah. Even well, and even T seven. He's like the strongest thing. One of the strongest things he has in his army is uh, T six Thunderhammer on an Inquisitor. So it's like. Yep, but That's, still, th- this goes back to the testament of th- of the diversity of the lists that are in all of these tournaments, right? I mean, it's uh, it's uh, the balance is there. It's yeah. great to see, uh, you know, uh, not coming to a tournament where I'm like, oh, 43% of the field is Taudar. Exactly. Right? The, the, there's no more of that. That era is gone. Well, and it, yeah, there's such a wide um, number, like, I'm, I'm, and... Just a wide number of factions. Uh, some armies are still kind of limited in what builds work, but but again, even then, we're seeing enough diversity that, like I said, we're not seeing duplicates in like the top ten, which is good. Yep, there is. Uh, I think that uh, Eighth Edition is a little bit more of a Swiss Army knife as far as what you want to do. I think that if you pull a unit out and put something else in, it doesn't make it less uh, efficient. It just makes it run slightly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most armies have the tools to deal with. As long as you know, as long as you know your codex and know what what tools deal with what threats, you can generally build a list that can handle most things on the field. Yep. We uh, what is there? There's at least three different Tau lists that are here that are all built different. Um, I think the one that's doing the best is the the three broadside, uh, triple riptide, or double riptide. Uh, as well as a whole ton of fire warriors and shield drones, mm-hmm. right? I think that's the one that's performing the best. But uh, there's a few different variants out there that are doing very well as well. Yeah, apparently there's a there's one that's running some ghost kills that's doing doing a lot of good work with that those. Yep, yep. There was a ghost kill list out there, uh, and then the other one I think was uh, a lot of little character spam, uh, and and then trying to run uh, battle suits all over. Uh huh. Well, that's cool because battle suits are something we use is general, you know, non riptide battle suits tend to be very uh, underrepresented. So it's it's nice to hear that there's a list like that going together. Yep, and then the uh, the Eldar, I think, uh, with the nerf to Yanari that took place. Obviously, we don't see as many mixed factions going on, mm-hmm. but that flyer list is absolutely scary. It is, and if they get to go first, it can be, uh, it can be so bad for the opponent. Well. Um, so Nathan Martin, who runs the Show Me Showdown, uh, he's playing Gene Sealer Cult uh, this weekend, and he said, for, like first turn, he got paired against uh, an Eldar, like you know, Eldar flyer list. It was like you know, it had like three flyers and uh, some wave serpents on the field to start with, and they were doing hammer and anvil deployment. And so basically, his opponent said, "No, no, you go first. And Nathan's army doesn't have the distance firepower. 
first turn to do much of anything. The only thing he he could do was try and uh, uh, boots on the ground, right? Yeah. Uh, try and try and kill all all of his ground troops to to end the pain that he was in. Uh-huh. Uh Which he came close. He did manage to go all six turns that game. Came down to taking off three models of his off the ground from getting boots in the ground and oh. winning that game, but he couldn't quite get it done. Oh, it was that okay? So I hadn't heard how close that game ended. I just saw like the very beginning of the game. Point points wise, he was he was way below. But if he could have got him on boots in the ground, uh, it would have been the same as tabling, so he would have gotten max points. Yeah, God, isn't it amazing how just how much can turn on just like two or three wounds sometimes. Yep, he uh, he made a few saves, and that was all it took. And then at that point. He was faster uh, with one of his bikes than uh, than the Gene Steeler Colt could catch up to. <sighs> and you know, sometimes that did, I've heard more than once that, that can be the story with Gene Steeler Colts is like sometimes getting that last push can be really hard for them. I, I didn't bring any models with me today, but I uh, I felt so bad for Nathan uh, because I watched him last game at the table miss four six inch charges in the same turn. I stole his dice from him. I went to my bag. I grabbed all of my dice, and I'm like. Please play with these for the rest of the day and burn them when you get home. <laughs> now that was and actually I took pictures of that game because uh, he was playing Nathan Damp, who I mentioned yes. earlier. Yeah, so it was a KC battle because Nate, both Nathan, both Nathans are from KC, and they're playing with Midwest Conquest and Preferred Enemies. Uh, objective markers on the table. So I saw that. I'm like, okay, I've got to get pictures of this. The Nathan, and one's playing Tyranids, the other's playing Gene Steeler Cults. So it's like, bug on bug action, KC battle, which Nathan will be the alpha Nathan? It yeah. ended up being Nathan Damp pulling it out the it, end. It, it was. And, uh, and yeah, Nathan Martin, he could not, he couldn't get a charge with Gene Steeler Cult with rerolls of his life depended on it. So, so, okay, so I don't know if you, caught the Midwest Conquest coverage, but Nathan ended up getting... Nathan Martin. I have to specify because we have two Nathans now. Nathan Martin ended up taking uh, dead last at at Midwest. And uh, so it sounds like some of that may have just been his dice. Uh, We're sitting in round five now, and he is also sitting dead last. Oh. I don't want him to go too far on that one. But... To be fair, at Show Me Showdown, I went 0-5, and and the only thing that kept me from getting dead last was my paint score. So, because yeah. so, they based it not entirely off of battle points, but they based it off of like that and sportsmanship and yeah, and paint he's score. still having fun. Also. Oh, he's having a blast! He's having yeah. a blast. I had I had a ton of fun when I went nearly dead last at, at Show Me. He is a huge Star Wars fan, and I told him I would serenade him with Star Wars music to to his next table <laughs> if he wins one. If he wins, <laughs> so if he can pull this one out, table six. Yeah, I, the- I will march him to his table with with with, with Star Wars theme going on in the background. <laughs> Uh, and see, that's what I love about, the, you know, when it comes down to it, that's the kind of thing I love about this game and the people I've met and the people who are running these events and just the, that sense of fun and camaraderie. It, the community is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's one of the main reasons why I was very happy to come down here, uh, you know, to Wichita and run the friendly event. Um, I expected nothing in return because these guys have already taken care of us with the streams, uh, you know, coming all the way up to Minneapolis. Uh, they'll do it again. I'll come down here again. I would come down to Midwest Conquest and help you guys run your events and not play. The community is more important to me than, than playing the game. And and I just think it, it goes to the you know show the strength of the community and, and, how, and how it's all it is. And I think there have been a number of events in past years that have given some tournaments and, and just 
the, the sense of like a competitive event, I think it's left a bad taste in some people's mouth. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. I actually hit competitive burnout uh, quite a bit last fall. And it wasn't, it wasn't because of like, I went to an event and went badly and I'm just like, I'm sick and tired of it. No, I, like, I did not, I went like either one and five or two and four at Iron Halo. I went, uh, like one and four at Midmo Maelstrom. I, you know, I went oh and five at Show Me Showdown. So it's like, yes, I'm used to not winning a lot, but that wasn't what burned me out. I had a, I had a great time. What was burning me out was what, what, some of the things that were ha- high profile events happening in the competitive scene with some of the stuff like from LVO a couple of years ago. Well, I think, I think, uh, I mean, it, it, I think it's what we're trying to talk directly to is the personal conduct policy. Yes. Putting that in place by, by ITC and by GW just releasing their own personal conduct policy. Yeah. Uh, is so big for our community that it gives a universal standard upon which we all need to, uh, interact with one another, right? And it sets an expectation of the kind of player that you should be when you show up to an event. Yeah, and it could be said that it's kind of sad that we got to the point where we have to spell out a, a code of conduct because we, we should all be adults here for the most part. Well, like we started in the beginning, we are Americans. We try and break the rules. We do, yeah. But but I also want to highlight the fact that those event the, those. Things that happen where somebody wins and turns out their list wasn't legal, or somebody win, or somebody goes and it, like you see them on stream doing something that is totally not. I think streaming has also helped. Streaming some of those top games has helped people spot things like that happening. Yep. But uh, but hey, I I, 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 I want to touch base on that for a minute because the community that is out there in Twitch world, okay, we love you guys to watch these streams, but we have to be careful. Uh, of our own conduct that you guys have when you guys start posting comments on these Twitch streams. They can True. get as out of control as some of the players have at some of these past events. Okay, Keep it professional, keep it honest, and keep the community together. Do not create a confrontation mm-hmm. by being that bully on the stream. It's not right. Yeah, no, that's not good either. But also, it's I guess what the point I was kind of getting to is it's such a small per- those those incidents are such a small percentage of events, and they're such a small percentage of the overall player base. Yep, but they become such an icon in the middle of all of it that yeah. that happens to be the things that we focus on and the things that we talk about. Yeah, we don't have to worry about now that now with the standard conduct policy. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's working. You know, the the there are pe- you know people get warnings, and for the most part they'll back off, and the ones that don't get asked to leave, and. It's unfortunate when it happens, but it's also, you know, it's healthier for the game overall, and hopefully it can be kind of a a wake-up call for those players who have those kinds of issues to be like, look, if you're going to do this, you've got to do it clean, and you've got to do it perfect, you know, you've got to have a positive professional demeanor going into it. And if you find yourself as one of the people that that struggles with, uh, you know, being temperamental or being emotional at a game... Uh, when you're there, uh, we had talked briefly before we started about practicing good habits. Mm-hmm. When you come to a table, and never forget, guys, this is a game. Exactly. This is just a game. It's meant to be community. It's meant to be fun. And if you've misplaced that, you're misplacing your your rule as a or your role as a as a 40k player. Exactly. Exactly. And I, but again, 99% of the field is fantastic. 
And, and so I don't want events like this, even one that is maybe more competitively focused, like, you know, Flying Monkey Con. Because anybody who's listened to, like, Flying Monkey Wargaming, their podcast, they're definitely more of a competitive, they skew more focused on the competitive scene. And because that's the kind of gamers they are, that's what they enjoy. And that's, that's totally awesome. That's, but, uh, even an event such as that, I don't want people to, to think of, oh, competitive events. Ugh, I don't know. It's terrible. No, not at all. It's it's not terrible at all. Uh, I didn't get into uh, competitive play until two years ago, uh, and I actually enjoyed it a lot more uh, than the local hobby shop. You know, uh, you know what's going on here. We're gonna make some of these scratch rules because we don't really care. No, I liked uh, the uniform you know format. I liked being able to compare myself to other players, and, and more importantly. Uh, getting out in the community and meeting all the new people, I can't tell you the amount of friends that I have made across the, across the entire country, mm-hmm. right, playing Warhammer 40K. Well, I think, I want to say First Fear Flying Monkey may have been the first time you and I played. Yes, it was. Because you had your Dark Angels list. And with you were the, playing your Tau. I was playing my Tau, and I got I seized on you and got your uh, Dark Shroud. You yeah. absolutely pantsed me. Yeah. <laughs> And it was a fantastic game. It was fun, and we've been friends ever since. Exactly, and that's that's what I want people. And I, I'm sure, listener, you know, I say this every time I talk about an event, and I'm going to keep saying it because it is so important. That's why I get it. That's why I love about this game. Yep, it, both of us. I mean, the the rolling the dice, moving models, having cool moments in your games. Those are all fantastic, and I love those too. But what really just energizes me is seeing all my friends and seeing the ones who. We live across the country from each other, and yet it's like we walk into an event. It's like, hey, John, how you doing? I have you know haven't seen you in a couple yep. of months. Can't wait to see you at the next event that I you know that that, that we have a chance to meet at. Yeah. Right, and we've met every place from uh, from Kansas, Wichita, Bartlesville, Oklahoma, <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, yeah, right. We we uh, we keep crossing paths at all these events, but I know that I'm going to get a chance to see my friend Rob. Uh, at some point, a few times throughout the year, that's exciting. Yeah, and like I remember when I like going into my f- like when we went to our first Renegade Open, and like it was the first G like we'd played in a, a in a smaller local GT, but going traveling to our first big event, and this was Renegade Open year two, and seeing like some of the high end competitive players, especially guys like from like the Warhogs crew and stuff where they're like, they, they're another group that's like very competitively focused and they're very good players and feeling very intimidated. Just being like, personally, I felt like very intimidated. It's like, Oh God, these guys take the game like super seriously. And I'm just like out of my element. And now like, like uh, Friday, like I'm just strolling in the hallway, like, you know, with my army bag ready to play in the night joust and like, one of like Chase Garber, like walking by, like, "Hey, Rob, how's it going?" And I'm just like on first name basis with all these guys, and it's and while I don't play in the same like level of competition level circles, like we all know each other now, and it's all just this one big community. Right. It's no longer about the game; it's a, it's about the friendships. Yeah, exactly, and so and I think that's the best part. That that is, if I have one takeaway at at the end of it all, if I ever hang up my dice, which I hope never to do. But if I have one takeaway from all this, it's that I've made some fantastic friendships and good connections with people. And it's why I'm totally happy to tra- travel across the country for these events. Yep. Yeah, it's the same reason why I have no problem driving down here eight and a half hours to come run an event. You're right. I, I get nothing out of this. They, they, you know, I, they don't buy me a hotel room. They don't pay for my food. Nope. This is me traveling just like I was another player at any event. Right. And, uh, and just, I'm, I'm just here to enjoy it. Yeah. Same here. I'm just, you know, 
I like I paid an entry fee to get in, but uh, if but, they asked me to run something, I'd run it in a heartbeat. But no lie, you know, throwing uh, some models down on the table and you can get yourself in that top ten, get yourself some prize support. That feels pretty. That is good an too. awesome. That is an awesome feeling too. Don't don't like. You know, I talk about like, oh, I just love playing in the friendly at school. Don't hey, I do not mind coming away with the best painting plaque. Right. Nope. I, I love. I I I am slowly building up a collection of of trophies for my trophy case yep, at home. I, I have prefer- I have a small wall of uh, you know best in faction dark angels, you know, as well as a few first place trophies and stuff like that. Right. I even got I even got this awesome wrestling trophy that got refurbished into. Uh, you know, a trophy that I had won in a uh, in a small event up in Minneapolis, right? Uh-huh. I don't care. It's got a it's got an awesome plaque on it. It's got a memory attached to it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things that's sitting in my in my Warhammer room. Yeah. Well, it's like for me, it's like you look at mine. It's like, well, I don't have any like first place or be- I I think I have I have one best of faction. I still don't know how I pulled off best of faction nights at Iron Halo last year, but I did. <laughs> but uh, I but I've got like. You know, a couple of best painted awards. I've got a best sportsman for Midmo, and those still mean just as much to me as any like top place trophy because it's just like I went to an event and I did something that somebody recognized, and it was awesome. Yep. Uh, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of what we've been talking about, uh, really my favorite moment was not. I, I mean, I enjoyed handing you best painted and handing Will best overall, but seeing Will pick his face or uh, Cliff. Cliff pick his fa- face up. When uh when I you know offered him best sportsman and he was just like what right and uh and but that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy right yeah, there same here same here so all right well I'm going to try to catch up with Duncan after whenever uh, this round is over and see if we can get some more coverage on the GT sounds good all thanks right, well, Rob hey, John thanks for joining us miniatures we build them we paint them we love them that's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. 
If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and I have Duncan, Bam Bam, both from uh, the Flying Monkeys Wargaming crew, and our perennial fifth chair, Dave Ironman from the Renegade Open here. Yay, I'm actually here. Oh, Yay. God, my ears, it's loud. What's happening, people? <laughs> Douglas is here. So, uh, another, uh, this is what, Flying Monkey Year 4? Yes, is it in is. the books now? GT is over. How'd it go, guys? Uh, we, we, we hammered through it. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, we, I think it went well. We, we had some things last year that were kind of not smooth that... We smoothed out this year. Yeah, um, we had definitely had more people this year, so that's mm-hmm. always good. Um, you know, a couple player issues that we didn't expect to encounter, but we encountered them and we handled them. And overall, I'm calling it a success. So yeah. I think it was a, I think it was a good year for the Flying Monkey. Yeah, and, and any event that can get away with you know no big blowups and looking at you know you've improved year over year should be a good one. Yeah, and we had a lot more events than we did last year. Yeah, and. Uh, it, it seemed a little bit more overwhelming. It was overwhelming to manage at times, but I, I think we got through it. Yeah, <laughs> it was, but we made it. Right. <laughs> we made it. Even with Dave here. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always good for throwing sideballs at everybody. But, no, in serious, though, you guys did fantastic. Thank uh, you. I, be, I did not make years two or three, but I did make year one, and I've now made year four. Uh, and you guys are it's definitely... It's a drive for you, so. it, it is 11 hours. Yeah, that's yes. tough. So what do you think of the differences between year one and year four? What, what um, you? Well, you're in a different venue that's uh, honestly a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you guys, uh, you had to put on a show for a lot more people than that first year had to mm-hmm. even consider worrying about. Troy put on a hell of a show. He did. He did. Uh, and we should all be very grateful to him for starting up the monkey. And, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you guys uh, continue to handle the monkey, which is uh, fantastic. We handle our monkeys well. Uh, see, I knew that was happening. <laughs> Rob's got to take notes. It's just innuendos. It's not blatant. I would like, for the record, to note, it was David, then Duncan, and Bam Bam still. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I'm on. the first one to break the seal. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know how you feel about seals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, <laughs> yes. Clubbing them. Speaking of seals, uh, Rob played in the friendly this year. I did. Yeah. Yeah. First year we tried to run a friendly. Yeah. What'd you think? I had good time. Good. Good time. Uh, the listeners will have heard all of, like, John and I talked for a good did hour you, yeah. or so, but uh, no, it was good. It's good to have uh, more friendly events open. We're hoping he and I are, are talking about possibly unifying formats and uh, maybe, maybe having narrative going or something. That'd be oh, cool. that would be cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because he definitely wants to lean more into the theme aspect, and that's yeah. something we like to promote as well. So yeah, have, anything anything get grown. We struggled this year trying to get the event filled. And uh, we had some players that, you know, wanted in, wanted out, didn't know if they wanted to do it. And then, you know, guys that said they were friendly players when they found out there was hobby scores, didn't want to be involved. So we're, we're kind of hoping to just keep hammering and pushing and maybe it'll grow next year. So oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get people talking about it. And yeah. the more people hear about it and the more people realize this is an option, this is the thing they can do. Yeah. And we really, we're, and like John's a top notch TO. Like oh that, yeah. He's fantastic. A great dude. Wrote great scenarios. And uh, you really missed out if you didn't take advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. No, it was, it was a good time. And yeah. every, like, again, listeners will be sick of hearing about it by this point, but yeah, no, it, no, <laughs> everybody had a good time. 
everybody, like, every game was good. Everybody was, like, none of the games felt like afterwards, you, like, you felt like you were going to have a bad feeling. They cool. were all good. And that's exactly that's what That's how friendly have. should feel of you. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so there was no yellow cards is what you're saying. <laughs> there were absolutely <laughs> so, no yellow cards. Uh, I, I, can, I can't even imagine what, like, what you would have to do to earn a yellow <laughs> card in a friendly yeah. event. Yeah. Well, there was, there was a lot of yellow cards this weekend. Yeah, kind of unfortunately. And that was kind of the growing pains for us is... <clears throat> it's still relatively early in, in what's considered the ITC season. So with the new player code of conduct, you know, still kind of being a new thing that everybody's yep. put input into, I think a lot of players just still aren't in the back of their mind ready to adapt it, ready to play under it, you know. And we had a couple issues that were just chess clock related, yeah. you know, where if they would have read the chess clock rules, seen the chess clock rules ahead of time, they would have been just fine. But instead they just – Whatever, and then when they got in trust clock trouble, they you know they, that's when they wound up in, in yellow card territory. Yeah, you know, and, and I would just wouldn't let something like a chess clock get me a yellow card. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty easy and explained. It's in the ITC code of conduct, and yeah. so I think some players are still kind of in the back of their minds, not all the way familiar, or not all the way yeah. adjusted to deal with that yet. So, and you were on the ground playing. We were yep. herding cats. So, what do you think <laughs> about that? I mean, what's your point of view as a player? Good job hurting cats. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I 100% agree with your assessment about the yellow card situation, on, especially with clocks. It, clocks is one of those things that if you don't read everything about, you are going to get a yellow card just by even being a nice guy. So one of the situations that I know came up in one of my games, I'm not going to say which one, but one of my games, um, I actually ran out of clock. Uh-huh. Okay? I... Don't remember how, I don't remember why, don't care. It doesn't matter, right? The point is, I had no time left for turn six. My opponent tried to be a nice guy and was like, hey, you should just uh, take your turn six. And I look over, and I see Matt standing right there, and I saw his ear perk up, and I'm like, no, you're trying to get me a yellow card. Don't you dare. No, we don't want yellow cards. You dingle that fruit in front of He's you, He's like, right? yeah, you want it, right? And I'm like, no, because that'll get you one, that'll get me yep. one. I don't need that shit. Good, good job being... Right? An example, right? He's Set like, the example. He's like, but no, it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Being a nice guy in this situation is mm-hmm. going to get us both yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Right? I don't know if that's clearly the, it's not, that's not the intent of the chess clock rules, no, right? It, it's, it's not. It's not, but it's, it's part of the repercussions that we have because we had to have these rules in the first place, right? Yes, exactly. And part of that goes back to everything takes so dang long in 8th yeah. edition yeah. with all the stratagems and stuff. It's just like, no, you had to do something to clean it up and normalize time use. Right. You just did. Yeah. So, and there are going to end up being people who get yellow cards for that, but eh. Yeah. I'm just can't. It's a lot of adjustment too. Like you mentioned, you know, the, the code of conduct is new for a lot of people. The chess yep. clock rules are still new. Uh, even something as minor for some people as picking the right faction when they put in their list yeah, for an yeah, event. Yeah. Because, you know, that's all new. So people and, who and used to. with that, yeah. but we didn't issue yellows. Well, right. But, you know, it's just, it's just all these things that people but, are having to adjust to this season. Back to list and adjusting. We had a list cut off. So a lot of stuff in the player. You know, you ever heard about, like, people talk about, like, well, why do we have a law about an alligator in a bathtub? We got a law about an alligator in a bathtub because some dummy put an alligator in a bathtub at some point in time. So we need to make a law so people don't put alligators in a bathtub. You know, so that's why we get so many silly laws. Because if you yep. think about any silly law, it probably means that some dumbass did it at some point in time. So they need to make a law to prevent it again. Yep. And not to be harsh, but I think a lot of stuff in the ITC Code of Conduct 
is, you know, alligator in the bathtub type stuff. It's stuff that people have done that they've gained the system. They've done stuff weird, you know, and, and like with list score. Now, everybody puts their list in BCP. You don't have to print 5,000 copies of your list. If Dave and I are playing, I can pull up his list in BCP and see what he registered as yep. and, and look at it right there on my phone. And so it eliminates a lot of the, you know, the paper, the TOs having to review the list by paper act to the actual event. So BCP had a great idea that, like, hey, let's let players upload their list. Well, what was happening was players were uploading their list. The ones that were super gamey of everything were waiting until everybody else uploaded their list, seeing what the meta was going to be, and then tailoring their list to show up in an event. So the solution was, let's have a list cutoff time. You know, yep. And so at the list cutoff, you know, the lists are up. And so what happened was people would turn in lists late because they yep. would take the yellow card for being late. And they get to see everybody else's list, and they didn't care because they take advantage of the system. So right. what we did was made the list hidden so you couldn't see them. And you had to leave the list by a certain cutoff date. Well, I think a lot of players that normally aren't the ones gaming the system or normally aren't affected by such a thing just didn't realize they had to have the list in by a certain day because it's kind of a new thing. It's kind of a new thing of putting it in, the li- in, the, in, the, in by the event, having it in there. And so, like, we went to check the cutoff date, and we had a ton of lists that weren't in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Way we, more than expected. Right. And we were, we were just some people, like, we contacted them and asked them, you know, hey, why didn't you have your list up? What happened? And they're like, we just didn't know. We went above and beyond yeah. taking <laughs> care of that, too. And, you know, and some guys were just, like, the casual players that aren't hot and heavy in the competitive scene. And yep. uh, when they when we checked with them, you know, they're like, oh, we just didn't know. So... You know, issuing people yellow cards for not having a list in in time sucks, but it's like getting people used to the system that's in place, getting people used to these new steps we're taking so people can't be the dude turning their list late and counter meta writing their list, you know, that type of stuff. So, yeah, see, it's well, a, it's a carrot stick the, thing. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And to go with like the alligator in the bathtub thing, as Bam knows as well, because it's the mid time of the military, literally everything that the military does is literally written in blood. Somebody was stupid enough okay. to get hurt or killed, uh-huh. and that's why it's a rule. Yes. So now, in our case, it's more somebody was either intentionally or otherwise, right, performed an action that someone else felt cheated on, or mm-hmm. maybe uh, several people felt cheated on. And now they've gotten like some prize support, or they've gotten accolades for better play, right? Or, you know, whatever. Whatever the gain they thought they were going to get, right, they got. And so we've had to do this, right, to, in order to stop feeding the beasts mm-hmm. and actually call out the, you know, bad actors and make them pay for what they're doing. Yep. Well, and with all the, the events that, you know, things that have popped up, like, you know, 2018 had a lot of stuff pop up on streams or, mm-hmm. you know, just well-known, well-publicized events yes. that we're putting the rest the whole hobby in a bad light and yeah. something John and I talked about in the first half is that if you look at it it's a very small percentage of the player base oh yeah oh, it's yeah. it's not representative of the player 100%. base at all 100%. but it it takes one bad thing for everyone to yeah. yep and you as a TO it's our jobs to protect the integrity of our events it is. too yep Absolutely, and, and honestly, people that do that, they put the TO in a bad situation because uh, yeah. <laughs> they, you know, yeah. basically what happens to they might get by with it and and want to make you feel like a bad guy. But the thing is, is if you let that person get by with it, you have a whole bunch of other people that walk away with a bad taste about your event, you know. And, and so it's tough to make those choices that like, hey, listen, like we had a guy that we did have to DQ, you know. It, it's like code of conduct. Here's your third card, you know. We have to DQ, 
and, and he wasn't happy about it. He didn't enjoy it. But again, if that guy that would have had all those violations goes up and wins the event or places high, you know, it makes us look like we don't care about the integrity of our event. So right. like we have to maintain that integrity. We have to enforce those rules. And, and it's a hard decision to make. Like we woke, I went last night, I passed out. You guys oh. know the situation there. Oh. Uh, what apparently, happened? Apparently about a gallon of bourbon is what takes to put me on it. <laughs> and uh, I woke up and my phone had tons of messages. So, you know, watching the stream. I had stuff from the stream that was on my phone. People mm-hmm. were messaging me about. I had other TOs that were messaging me because their players or their groups that were here saw things. And, like, Duncan and I both woke up with, like, a ton of messages on our phone about stuff at the tournament. You know, and some of it wasn't a big deal. Some of it was stuff we needed to handle. But, like, in this day and age of technology and streaming games and information being out quick, like, the world knew about stuff going on at the tournament before us as a TO knew about stuff going on at the tournament in some instances. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird... <laughs> that's, a, that's a scary place it's to be. It's a weird yes, place to be. I mean, Dave, I saw it happen to Dave at Renegade. Yep, you sure know, did. It's like something's going on in the tournament and people are talking about it on Facebook. People are messaging you and you're like, I'm over here in this room trying to watch this knucklehead. I had no idea this was going on across right. the hallway. And yep. so it's a weird day and age to kind of see us grow into that. So and we had we had a couple of instances that happened for us at Adepticon. So uh, besides the Renegade Open, I'm also the head judge at Adepticon. My TO, my boss, is Jason Lippert, right? And our overall event coordinator and his boss is uh, Chris Merstead, who used to run all of 40K. And, yeah, we actually had instances where people would message us during the tournament, like, hey, go to table X and so-and-so. <laughs> this is happening right now. And it's like... What? How do you even know that? How do you even know that? You're not even here. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, the reason I, uh, I'm bringing up even AdeptCon about this, and we we typically handled it within a couple minutes, but is that as TOs, it flusters us when we hear about it on the internet and we don't hear it from our own players. Right. For the love of God, please, when you come to one of our events, please just get a judge. I know confrontation isn't everybody's thing and they don't want to be the bad guy right and calling out somebody on something that may have been just miscommunication but it is far better and far easier to get a judge to come by and just arbitrate the situation and make sure that everybody's happy and moves on right there doesn't have to be penalties we are not judge jury and executioner right yes we carry the code of conduct Right, but the code of conduct is very specific in what we are and are not allowed to do. Right, so please just just call the judge. Calling the judge does not make you a bad person, no. and if your opponent makes you try to feel like a bad person, that maybe should be a warning flag for you that something's right. not right here and is going on. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, but honestly, other than that stuff, it was Fantastic. it was a lot smoother yeah. this year. You know, last year we moved up to this bigger this bigger event area and in doing it, I think Duncan's being summoned. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, in regards to like moving to the bigger venue, adding events, like last year was really a growing pain. And some of the stuff that we had that was late, not on time last year, fired on time this year. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we had a restaurant issue here at the hotel that we were delayed like 15 minutes one day. And, you know, award ceremony went on about the time that we planned for the award ceremony to go on. So it was nice to have, you know, 9, 10, 11 events under one roof. And everything went off according to schedule, according to plan. And we got yep. through it all. So. Well, and that's a sign that you've got a good team and good people working it with is. you to make sure everything does go off on scene. Yeah. Too. And, dude, our, our team, like our teammates, the guys that played, you know, showed up to help set up, you know, stayed here and they're helping us tear down. 
you know, and they were here all weekend to help support us, help the table, you know, giving us a break. And Matt's mom was big, dude. If you guys didn't meet Patty, Patty's freaking awesome. So she keeps us in line, make sure we're doing it right. So we <laughs> kind of have a team mom, which helps quite a bit. So, all right. So, uh, in the end, um, looked like Trainer Wolf won with Chaos. He did. On that, Just, that did. top table game with Jeremiah Pettit? Yeah. Yep. It was basically the Disco Lord list versus the uh, Custodes list. That's Yeah, the new hot Custodes yes. list to beat. Jeremiah has refined that thing into a both the battering ram and the scalpel. Yes. It is nasty. That list is going to be seen on a lot of tables. So oh, yeah. I think uh, Jeff in Control Robinson ran something similar at uh, BAO. Yeah. And uh, did very well with it. The two of them talk. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but Chaos uh, chaos gave it a run. Chaos so. won the day. Yep. Yep, on the back of that new uh, Distort Lord. Yeah, Disco Lords. Or, Disco Lord, yeah. They were all over all weekend. And the funny thing I was noticing is, like, uh, a lot of them were staying towards the top. So a lot of those Chaos List, you know, needed that shot of adrenaline or whatever to get up there. And a lot of guys were running, you know, a lot of, I guess what I want to call Power Rangers, you know, like yeah. all the big metal monsters with the with Lord Discordance behind them. So, uh, it's they, fun to see Demon Engines back on yeah. the tables, though, after it a is. long absence. I, I saw a table, I mean, it was in like probably the mid to lower half of the pack in round six, but I saw it like had two or three defilers on it with Disco Lords. Yep. <laughs> and it's just like, huh. it's like, and we just did an episode about like the defilers, one of those units, like, how do you make it better? Apparently, it's just insert Lord Discordant. <laughs> Profit. Yes. <laughs> yes, it very much is. <laughs> yeah, it's the cool thing I think that's going on in 40K right now, though, is I think we honestly have probably one of the more diverse metas that we've had in a long time. You know, if you, I know some people won't agree with me, but for a while it was either Imperial Knights, you know, or Yanari. Like you went to a lot of these tournaments and the, and the lists that were finishing high were Yanari, Imperial Knights, Yanari, Imperial Knights. Or like what was the you know the Imperium suit version with the Castellan and the guard detachment and yep. and like this tournament wasn't that like there were guides here that had the knights and the guard detachment hi uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then but there were chaos lists there were there were dark Eldar lists you know there were there was variation of those things up high you know there was a lot of Admech out I was surprised to see that much Admech this weekend you know and. Just there was a good diversity of armies towards the upper upper half, upper echelon of the tournament. And I don't know if that speaks to the state of the game or just the Midwest meta in general, but it was cool to see like all these diverse armies up there and it wasn't just a Castellan and Guard or Yonari list that were dominating the top tables all weekend. Yeah, and that's something that, like John and I talked about in the first part of the show and you know, pointing out that no re- like in the top ten there were no like repeat armies, no repeat builds. Like and right. like you'd see a couple like High placing like Tau, but they're all different. They're different Tau builds. They're not yep. the same cookie cutter army over and over again. So yeah, no, it's. I think right now the the environment is a lot more diverse than we've seen in the past. There's still and uh, there's still definitely tiers. Yep. There's still some armies that struggle, but there's a lot of armies that with a good general behind them can do quite well. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and I want to point out Tony Thibault for that. Right. So Tony Thibault runs a list that on paper. When you hear this list, you're going to be like, how the hell is that doing so good? It is the general. It is Tony. So he's running uh, Incarn, Yvrain, and then also uh, he's – so it's a total Yanari list uh, with some Drakari backup. He's got uh, four squads of witches, two that are five, two that are 15. Uh, he's deep striking the 15s, and then he's got uh, Howling Banshees that's starting a Wave Serpent and nine-man squad of uh, – 
shining spear pikes, right? Mm-hmm. And then just two venoms and an archon, and that and dire ventures and rangers, and then that's it. So it's two battalions, and that's all he's got. So you wouldn't think that that list is like going to do exceedingly well, right, on paper. But Thibault brings out all the little tweaks and good gentlemanship that happens with that, right? Like making sure that he tri-points infantry and doesn't use their weapon, actually just uses the basic close combat weapon when he first charges, so he's not wiping things out. You know, it's little things like that. But it's little things like that that couldn't have happened before in the meta, right? Because there's been some very good tweaks that have happened in the recent FAQs that have brought out this meta, and it's great. I think it's a great state for the game. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's we see it especially here at Monkey this weekend with as many diverse lists, right in the top twenty-five. Right, yeah. There's there's almost no repeats. Well, and Tony's one of our KC crew. He's I think he lives in Columbia now, but he's part of the forty KC team, and he mm-hmm. uh, he's played at many of my events over the years, and you know just local RTTs, and you know he's been playing Drukari Harlequins. And now, you know, Inari for years and, and re- refining his skills and honing his techniques. And he's just, yeah, he is just an exceptional player with that army. And the fact that he has stuck with it and taken it as far as he has, even after the, uh, the White Dwarf Index really changed up how that army worked. And for a lot of people, a lot of people just immediately discarded the army. And they just completely like, oh, well, the army's ruined now. It's unplayable. And Tony shows that, no, in the hands of a competent general, it is quite playable. It's very potent. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I think the meta is in a really great place right now. And it is. And Tony's a super good guy. Yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, yep. we're, uh, the monkeys are challenging 40KC at Iron Halo. So mm. as team captains, I'm playing Tony round one at Iron Halo. So, we'll see how so you're ready for year three of the Sacco? I, I hope not. Good gosh. <laughs> I'd like to get that. I got two of those sitting on the shelf in my shop. I'm ready for them to go somewhere else. So how, see. So how many people are you bringing down to... I wonder how many people they're bringing to Iron Halo because he said five or six. Five or six, to. okay. Because yeah. I would say we are techni- Dennis and I are technically from the KC area, and we're both terrible. So if we piggyback on, <laughs> there you go. If you, if you hop on, Rob, we'll give you some of our terrible guys. <laughs> you want to participate in the sack? Of, hey, hey, so. hey, hey, is this a, is this a bribe I'm yeah. hearing? <laughs> are you trying to get him onto the KC team so that they take the sack? Of? I don't know. Remember, Dennis did take the wooden spoon last year. Yes, he did. Although, to be fair, this year he's going to be taking Slanesh Demons again, but it's the new and improved Slanesh Demons with more toys. Uh, true story. Yes. And he's adding Havocs to the list. <sighs> he's 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 taking uh, some Emperor's Children. Oh, so. yeah. 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 Still going for best Slanesh, though. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. i got to get back to tearing down. So everybody quits looking at me dirty across the hallway. All righty. So, well, man, thank you for so much for joining dude, us. Rob, it's always a pleasure to have you out, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad to come out. I'm sorry we missed thing. last year, but I ah, love man. the new venue. And yeah, I've been and through one, whereas you missed years two and three. I've been yep. here one, two, and four. And, yeah, it's just it's been awesome watching your event grow from, from time every time I come out here. Yeah. Well, help us grow this friendly. That's what I want to get off that's the ground what, next year. That's so. what we're going to do. We'll do yeah. our best. And the Dave, see you Renegade, man. I'll be up there. That's birthday time I, for me. How about Halo? Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Take care. All right. See ya. So, well, how was your weekend, man? My, my weekend was good. Uh, you know, I, I play, got to play in the friendly. We did only play three rounds since there were only six of us. Yep. So, we, we were like, well, we can either do the original plan five rounds and round robin it, or we can just cut our, because after three rounds, we're going to know who the winner is. So, just cut it early and 
give everybody Sunday off. And so that's what we all chose and got th- three good games in and I got no complaints. Awesome. There's a couple of tweaks that I've talked to John about, about like mm-hmm. the mission. But again, we're going to be sitting down and hashing out yep. like format ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So I look forward to seeing those. Yeah, because yeah. it, it's going to be interesting because you guys, like the the format you ran, like you guys ran last year, Renegade, and then he brought here, yep. is very much retro hammer with a little bit of a Renegade twist to it. Yes. Yes, it is. So uh, for, for those of you not in the know or familiar with the friendly, uh, it is literally a combined arms detachment. From 7th back through 3rd. So you get minimum 1 HQ, min 2 troops, uh, max of 2 HQs, max of 6 troops, uh, 0 to 3 elite, 0 to 3 fast, 0 to 3 heavy. Dedicated transports are as in 8th edition, so it's one for every other unit you take. And then no flyers. And no uh, 0 to 1 flyers. Or 0 to 1, okay. And no lords of war. And one unique character. And only one unique character. And it's 1,500 points. And the whole plan of it was... You know, you're going to play a small to medium-sized-ish game, right? You're going to get your turns over. You guys are just going to be able to sit there and joke and take your time, and it'll be fine. Everybody gets to have a nice, relaxing game, right? And uh, we uh, pulled in uh, – we modified the old 5th edition missions mm-hmm. uh, and, and pulled them into 8th ed and then uh, gave it uh, – Gave it a little bit of a renegade twist by putting some maelstroms uh, alongside those primaries. And, you know, uh, so far the feedback has been mostly positive. Okay. Uh, we had 46 participants last year at the yep. renegade. So uh, we know that people want this. Yes. Right? So, uh, yeah. So I look forward to seeing the tweaks that, uh, you know, and John and Jacob have really taken that over. Right? Yeah. I wrote, yes, I wrote the initial, but I'm like, but yeah, right, and we're definitely here you go. Be, have yeah, fun. We're, yeah, we're pulling Please in make it. it better. Yeah, whereas Kevin and I went like the Elvio-friendly format, which was the... Yep. Pure Maelstrom, just like straight from the book Maelstrom. Yep. Although this year we did uh, straight from Chapter Proof 2018, which that's a much better set of Maelstrom missions, I believe. Yeah, it is. I, I totally agree. It's it's got a less a lot less wonky and random for scoring in it. So yes. there there's it's a lot better for like actual organized play. Yeah. And so we're trying to figure out what it, you know what's is there a middle ground between the two, or do we want to go more one way or the other? I think we're we're definitely looking at changing from doing 100 PL to probably 1750 on points and figuring out our like because we kind of want to we still like using allowing the eighth edition style detachments because we we find like for thematic it gives you more flexibility for army building. Oh yeah, absolutely. It does. So that's that's one thing we're looking at. But yeah, this is something we're going to hash out over the next few couple months and hopefully have in place you know have something in place for Renegade. Yeah, and, and I look forward to seeing what you guys come up with because uh, hopefully we won't screw the pooch too badly. <laughs> eh, you know, whatever. <sighs> well, what, what's the worst that happened? You, you get a bunch of friendly people who come in, play some eh, missions, and they don't care because they had a good time. Because they're all friendly people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, oh. I, did, I did have one question about the the GT because like, you had mentioned that like there were some like you know you ran out of time on one, one of your games. Oh yeah. And so I noticed that uh, they ran two and a half hour rounds. Yes, this year, and and I, it's I, I was kind of hesitant to talk about this because we don't have Duncan or Bam to kind of defend sure. it, but at the same time, it's like it surprised me that they're in two and a half hour rounds rather than three. Seems to have become the standard. So three really is the standard. Um, there are events though that choose to take the two and a half route, and the reason is very simple: it's to keep things moving and on time, mm-hmm. uh, and also you know. It, 
honestly, 8th edition, everybody's very familiar with now. There isn't as much as, yes, my earlier comment about there are slowdowns in the game because of stratagems and psychic powers and decisions and rerolls to make. Um, honestly, most tournament players at this point have enough games under their belt that two and a half hours seems to actually be enough to get six turns. Okay. Right? So I'm pretty sure that the percentage of fit of incomplete games was very minor compared to the percentage of complete games here, right? I did not see that many tables that were actually still playing when time was announced for Dice Down, right? So I think two and a half is is okay. It's probably pushing it to the faster side of things than what really should be done. But, you know, that's personal opinion. Uh, Honestly, it works. It does work. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I don't think really there's a problem with doing two and a half versus three. Three makes sure that nobody feels rushed and games definitely have a natural progression and finish, right? Um, and that's pretty much like a guaranteed you're going to finish your game. And if you didn't finish your game, uh, guys, what, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, well, and that's why, how much, but even, how much drinking were you doing? But even with three hours, we are still keep, at least for our GT, we are still doing top 15 tables with mandatory clock usage. Yeah. To make sure that, because like we had one game where I think it was round two with that, because starting round two, it's top 15 tables. Yep. And one of the, the, one of those tables, we had two players like look at the chess clock rules and decide, no, nah, we're not going to use them this round. And we yellow carded both of them because it's like, no, the rules say you need to use chess clocks because, and we found out about it because, we, you know, round is winding down, they're still playing, and our judge goes over there and is like, so what's going on? It's like, oh, they're still on like turn three <laughs> with like fifth, like less than twenty minutes left. Oh yeah, of the, on you know on the round clock, and so right, it's like, and with no chess clock to determine who was the actual violator here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. you got a yellow card both, mm-hmm. and um, by but, policy, right? And then you know, but they understood. Okay, yeah, you got they had violated policy, yep. and they they were understanding and realized. Okay, we we screwed up. We should have read the. We should have yeah. paid attention to the rules. So yeah, and. Uh, for the listeners out there, I know we've talked about a lot about, uh, you know, when people violate policy and handing out yellow cards and yada, yada, right? But it's uh, honestly, a yellow card is literally just like a judge saying, hey, please, please clean this part up. Yeah. Right? It's not an actual punishment. Right. No actual punishment in ITC code of conduct happens until you get to that second yellow card. Because that means now a judge has to talk to you about an issue a second time. Right. Yeah. So a first time is just a, you know, anybody could realistically get that on just a, a quick oops, I, I goofed. Yeah. It, it, like, if we, and for people who aren't maybe as familiar with like the soccer terminology of like yellow card and red card, mm. think baseball. One is like tipping a foul ball. Yep. When you're at two strikes, that's when you're in danger, and, right. you need, and you need to watch it. Yep, and then on that third strike, you're out. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, and it's it, so it may sound like this is punishment. No, it's not really. It's more like a maybe something's not going okay here. Let's just make sure things go okay in the future, please. Yeah. And I mean, again, it's it's unfortunate that we've reached the point where we have to have this codified system of of. Like this is what a rules violation is, and this mm-hmm. you know this is a co- violation of the code of conduct. But as Bam pointed out, we wouldn't have it if people hadn't demonstrated it, that it was necessary. Right, and honestly, I don't think we would have reached the p- tipping point of uh, how many people then set, you know caused an issue where we definitely needed to have this system if 
40K in general wasn't getting much more popular yes. than it had been in the past, right? Mm-hmm. So while, yes, it is a, a an unfortunate consequence of uh, a very minor subset's actions, it also indicates, though, strong growth within our hobby. Mm-hmm. So Because it means that we've had to become this more organized because there's now too many moving parts, too many different things going on to run events, right? There's now lots of people running yes. events. Right, you can basically find a GT or two every well, weekend. You know, last episode I talked with Nate, Nate Martin, and Ben Spears from uh, Show Me Showdown and Midmo Maelstrom, and one of the things that came up was the fact that when we started running Midwest Conquest, Midwest Conquest was like one of the only events in the like other than like maybe Bug Eater south of Renegade, you know, south yeah. of Minnesota, and in the four years or so since we started running that. It everything has blossomed, and now there's more events than you, like there are so many events that people can't make all of them. Yeah, and so yeah, it is more than any one one person or one group can handle. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and it's fantastic. Don't yeah, get me wrong. it's a it's good fan. problem to it's have. It's a good problem to have for sure, and I'm glad that we have this problem, mm-hmm. right? But uh, but by the same token, yeah, it does mean though that we as TOs should then be getting together on a regular, right? Making sure that we're all doing the same things, right? And the code of conduct realistically, that's what that's helping out, right? It's yeah. not just for the players. It's also for TOs. So players know exactly what to expect from their TOs if something were to happen, mm-hmm. right? So it, it is, it is a good problem for us to have. Yeah. And now, like, even GW, new General's Handbook, has a code of conduct in it. Yep. And I can only imagine Chapter Approved will have the same thing. I can't imagine why it wouldn't at this point. I can't think. Uh, other than Age of Sigmar is a lot less, um, has a lot smaller community and has less involvement outside of the ITC. Realistically, it's Reese and his crew Yeah. Um, for Age of Sigmar. So I can see why GW would step into that arena and give that. For 40K... Yeah, they'll probably do the same thing, but realistically, the things we're going to find in it, we're already doing anyways. Yeah, it just, right? but just having it in a place where everybody can see it, anybody yep. who's going to pick up that book because they need their point updates and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's a required book for competitive play. There's no excuse for everybody to not know it at right. that point. Yep. And for anybody out there who's like, well, but then I have to buy this book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> However... It has now become perfectly acceptable for you to have an electronic copy. Yep. Please put it on your phone or tablet. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It is technically also cheaper to buy it that way. Yeah. So, you know, it, yes, you can has cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your day go? Uh, my weekend? Uh, today? weekend, or, I guess. Or, yeah, yeah sure, I guess your weekend. full weekend. Yeah, uh, pretty well. I finished 14th overall at a record of 4-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought the same hot garbage that I've been playing for a year and a half now at this point. So it's, uh, I'm one of the problem children. Uh, <laughs> I bring Imperial Knights. Uh, it is Housecraft, yes. Uh, with a Crusader and four Helverins. Uh, and then a guard battalion of two tank commanders, one company commander, five infantry squads with grenade launcher in each, uh, two platoon commanders, and then three heavy weapon teams, two with auto cannon and only one team with mortars. Um, and, uh, honestly, it's done really well for me. Like there's been five or six different times where I'm like, eh, maybe I should change something in the list. Then I go to a GT and place in the top 25%. I'm like, I can't change anything. Clearly this works, right? So it's like, 
Ah, oh, maybe I should do AdMech instead instead of uh, Guard to support my knights. Nope, apparently not. No, apparently not. Nope, I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe they're better. Who knows? This list keeps winning anyway. So it's like, so, uh, you know, from that side, I feel really good about that because it's a, a list that um, is not exactly what everybody else is playing. So that part, you know, so I get to play something slightly different than what everybody else is doing. Uh, but overall, my games were great. Uh, my two losses were honestly to two very fantastic gentlemen. Um, one was uh, Nick Weiss, uh, who took second place overall. Yes. Uh, in fact, that's exactly what he and I were playing for, <laughs> was second place. Uh, and that should tell you how hard it, a loss takes you. Um, and then my other loss came to... Um, probably the best sisters player I've seen in a very long time. Sorry, Rob. No, none, no offense taken. <laughs> uh, um, JT. Uh, oh, I am going to. I'm sorry, JT. But your last name starts with a G, and that's all the further I'm probably going to be able to remember, unless I can somehow. Yeah, there it is. All right, it is uh, JT Grachek, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I'm still mispronouncing that. But anyways, uh, he's one of uh, the. Uh, uh, Outlanders, so he's with the Bug Eater crew, right? Tim Royer's crew. Uh, and he's a really good player. He and I actually also played at Bug Eater, um, where I pantsed him. Like, it wasn't even close. Um, but he learned a lot of good lessons from that game. And he's like, hey, I've played you twice now. And yeah, I beat you by one point this, uh, this second time, but I feel like every time we've played, I've learned stuff. And that, to me, that, that actually feels fantastic. That, that's, that's what you right? want out of it. Yeah. Exactly. Even if, you know, when you win a game, you want your opponent to, come away from it not salty but come away from hey i learned you know you taught me some things i i wasn't reading target priority right or i needed to learn to move better or something like that yeah and you know and to me it, an old salt who's been playing this game for just freaking ever right uh that felt fantastic it's like oh thank you i i'm glad that you know you and i could actually have a positive game this was a good experience and that you know we could both walk away from this game feeling good about it and walk and learn maybe learning something new because the game is way too complex. Nobody is ever going to remember all for 7th edition, 10,623 pages. <coughs> uh, of, <laughs> and so 8th edition is way better uh, of the rules, right? Even even with as good as 8th edition is at being simplified, you, no one's going to remember everything, right? Right. So there's always tweaks and tricks and tips that we're all going to learn from each other. So uh, that was really good. Uh, I got to play uh, a couple other members of the uh of the KC crew this weekend. Um, it was really good. I enjoyed my time with them. Tony Thibault being the one that stands out to me. Um, he was fantastic game. I'm like, turn one, he didn't pay the stra- the Aldari strat to advance and charge his bikes. And I'm like, hey, you can't, you're not going to be able to do this, are you? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Yanari has a strat that literally says at the start of the charge phase, pay two and then Yes, you advanced. You get to charge anyway. Yeah. So it's like, oh. <laughs> oh, shit. No. Oh, the guardsmen are going to get wrecked. Um, unfortunately for him. He overkilled them quite a well, bit. Well, yeah. Oh, my God. So he came in. He came in. He's like, all right, I'm going to delete this squad and shooting. Kill half the guys. He's in a second squad from shooting. Uh, and then you've got – I had – a platoon commander kind of sitting in the middle of the three. They, they formed uh, three basically blocks that formed an L with then the uh, platoon commander sitting in the corner of the L, right, uh, just on the inside of it. Mm-hmm. And 
he destroyed the top of the L, he destroyed half of the corner, and then he came to the bottom with his charge. And he's like, yeah, that's right. I'm not going to attack you with anything real. I'm just going to do close combat weapon. So I'm strength three, no AP. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with this plan while I figure out how to try point one of your guardsmen and then you can't walk away? Uh, yeah, he came in way too strong on the pimp hand. Uh, he, so he scored 14 out of 15 attacks hit, something like that. It was, it was a ridiculous number of hits, right? Like, he's like, oh, I hit a lot. And then he's like, okay, maybe, maybe the wounds will be all right. Cause I need fours. Ah, oh, there's like 10 wounds here. Um, 10 wounds take saves. Uh, okay. Okay. Five up armor. <laughs> Uh, seven of them will die now. I'm going to pull the sergeant, so I'm lead six, and then six more dits. He's like, oh, well, am I going to get to try point anybody? Well, no, because I heroically intervened over here. And now I'm touching this one dude who is the linchpin of you being able to, you know, pinch me in. Son of a... Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, all right, leadership, maybe, maybe, maybe roll low, right? And I'm like, uh, bad news, lost seven. So that means I'm on die plus one for this leadership. Two. Well, that's three, so all three guardsmen just die now. I'm going to be able to walk away and shoot you. He's like, ooh, this is, that's bad. They're going to die. You have a lot of shooting. I'm like, yeah, they're probably going to die. And then he did the same thing with his witch, with his uh, howling banshees. They had done the same, tried to do the same trick to a 10-man guardsman squad, right, where he's like, ah, coming in. I got 10 banshees. You don't get to overwatch. Woo. All right. And wha-bam. Oh, nine of them are dead. You made one save. Oh, Jesus. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, let's see here. So that means you killed two. Uh, that's, that, that's good. I'm gonna pay D3, one point for D3 on the guys who lost five dudes. Uh, they're fine. And then, oh, I'm just gonna auto pass Mr. Lost Nine of His Bros. So, because he was more than an inch away from the Banshees already, right? Yeah. Even after pile in. So uh-huh. it's like. So now they're just hanging out in the, the breeze. <laughs> and then it's like, I'm T3 and I have a four up save. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Who's seen the Ralphie picture? <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes, Ralphie, you are. And, and unfortunately, he didn't have any of his other support that was far enough forward to come play and, like, defuse my firepower. So, literally, I had just those two squads to kill. So, I had nine. And you proceeded to do oh, just Oh, and that. I proceeded to do so because I noticed he didn't have anything big in his list other than a wave serpent. So, for my relic and warlord trade on the Crast Crusader, I took first knight. Which is the Crast Warlord trait, which allows you to reroll ones to hit in both shooting and close combat. It's really strong, I hear. Yep. And uh, I also took Endless Fury. So that's the Relic Gatling Cannon, which has 14 shots instead of 12. And on unmodified, very important because he did lightning reflexes, but unmodified sixes to hit count as two hits. And I'm rerolling ones. For those of you at home playing the Math Hammer game, <laughs> this ends up in approximately 12.7 hits on average. <laughs> With just the Gatling Cannon. So, uh, he, uh, yeah, the, all the bikes died. All, yeah. uh, all the, but between that and a tank commander and a auto cannon team, uh, going into them, they, they were dead. So, uh, 
And then the Banshees did not appreciate having four Helverans look in their direction. No, 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 no one, no one would really. <laughs> no, really not. No, especially if you don't have prepared positions or a two-up save. Strength seven, three damage a piece. Auto cannons are uh, not your friend. They are not, <laughs> especially when four of them together average thirty-two shots a turn. Yeah, uh, that 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 was bad. Bad Dave. I, I bad touched him. So uh so no, yeah, it was it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh did one of you guys leave a Skatari army in the main room? I did no. not neither no. of us. Nope, neither of us. Uh well, uh so if you're listening to this after the fact, um somebody left behind an entire Skatari army, please contact Bam. That is Brian Hunter of uh the Flying Monkeys. Yeah. You may want your army back. <laughs> one would think. I mean, unless somebody just did so badly with their guitar, and they're like, put this over here. We're just, <laughs> just write this off at a lot. We're, we're just gonna, we're just gonna say no. We're we're gonna be like, ah, uh, yeah, this uh, this is not a thing anymore. No, I'm not seeing anybody at the bottom with it. Uh, I'm already up to 70th place. I don't see one. But so no, nothing so bad that someone would leave, intentionally leave an army behind. No, uh, the, the only one that comes out to, you know, that says maybe he would have was uh, is, is an Ultramarines list that, oh, God, you, uh, I am sorry, sir. Your weekend was not so awesome. Although there was an Ultramarines on table two last round. Yeah, there was. Ben Neal, yeah. Yeah, Ben Neal. He did fantastic. Um and really, it was just kind of a, a, an all-comers type list, right? So his list was not what one would look at and just go, oh, yeah, I, I see what he's abusing. There. Yeah, because I was looking at the unit. Like, I was looking at his uh, carrying tray, like, after the game. And it's like, okay, Gilliman. All right, he's yep. playing Ultramarines. That that makes sense. Three different librarians. Yep. And Three. then... Uh, one of which was Phobos. One yep. of the new ones, yeah. Yep. And then uh, it looked like one of them was, like, an old-school, like, small marine. Yeah, he does. He has a metal, uh, an old metal librarian that he's using, and then it uh, looks like really cool. assault squads, or were they? I couldn't. I didn't know if they were assault squads or vanguard vets. So he's got two vanguard vet squads. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering if they squad, were some scout bikers, uh, a leviathan dreadnought, and a thunderfire cannon to supply the relic requirement for it, and then fifteen scouts. Yeah, with uh, like snipe camo camo sniper scouts. Yep, camo sniper scouts. Every last one of them. Uh, and yeah, and then just a few, li- Tiggy, a few li- other librarians, one's the Phobos and then Gelliman. So it's not like a, you know, obvious beat stick in the list kind of list. It's, you know, this is a lot of just does everything. This is like really, when I look at a space Marine army, this is, this is kind of well, a standard template. Yeah. It's like first, first part of the episode, John, John and I were talking about, and you know, he's like, uh, you know, space Marines are one of those armies that need some love right now. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, uh, before, uh, like I had my laptop set up in here and he's like, well, I may have to re rethink what we were talking about. Cause here's a, <laughs> cause there's an ultramarines player on table too. And yeah. again, this, I think it shows with good generalship and the right, like right unit choices and, and knowing how to play the army. Because apparently, like he said, empiric channeling was carrying him on a lot. Or oh, and I can believe it. I mean, and looking at his uh, opponent list, he did not play any slouches at all. Like he's got he's got Ben Spears on here. He's got Larry Kessler, 
Uh, he played Josh Cameron. Uh, he played Sam Bowman from the Warhogs. And then he played to Alex Clark uh, in round five. And then his sixth round opponent was Zach Kerster, or Kersetter, Stetter. Sorry about that, sir. Um, I mean, he, he was not playing against slouches either. So obviously this man knows his army extremely well and plays it to a high level. And which is always a fantastic thing to yeah, see. Lost his first game and then one, uh, five and one. Yeah, and so. for anybody out there going, oh, he's submarined. No, again, he hit ever like a bunch of really good players who, in some cases, one would think on paper should have just tabled him, and he he managed to pull it out. So. You know, great power and great, you know, all the more yeah, to him. Played, five, yeah. five win streak. I don't care even if you did lose your first game. Yeah. Five win streak is not an easy well, thing. Well, and he played Ben Spears first round, which Ben was running, I think, a three night list. Yep. So. Yeah, and that, and for, um, for what's in, in, uh, you know, for what's in the list, uh, for the ultras, that's, um, that's going to be a tough That's going to be a really tough one. Ben Neal doesn't really have, like, super night killing inside of it other than the Leviathan Dreadnought and Bobby G and Mortal Wounds from the, the, the Libbies. Yeah, so it's – so, no, great great on him for, you know, getting where he got. And, again, it, it, it just going back to what we said earlier, it speaks to the diversity of the environment that that list – you know, in, in past seasons, I would say that list would have really struggled. Oh yes, but even even this season pre pre spring FAQ like a Castellan list like a Castellan Smash Captain guard list right yeah very stereotypical list seen all too often mm-hmm. right um honestly yeah the Castellan by out? itself would pick up this list yeah and like, and that's that's not overplaying the Castellan that's like that's how there's a reason it was given a hundred and ten point bump. And knights can't have a three up invul anymore. It like, was too good. It, it was it, straight it, up too good. Yeah, it flat out was. Uh, and I say that knowing full well that I abused the shit out of it, uh, at least from my crusader. So yeah. Well, if I want to get back to KC before midnight, all right, I'm so, going to have to wrap this up. Absolutely, so Dave. Always good to have you on always the show. Always good to have you on the thing. Fu- yep, always good to be here. I enjoy being here. I swear to God, we will have you again on. Uh, so I. You will you will be a, uh, in Oklahoma for our Iron Halo. Yep. Yes, I will. So we will miss you at Show Me Showdown, but we will see you at Iron Halo. Yeah, Show Me Showdown happens to be the same weekend uh, as a local event up in North Dakota. Uh, for those of you familiar with the Warhogs, uh, uh, that's, Slaughterhouse GT. Yep, right? Slaughterhouse GT. That's theirs, uh, and you know a bunch of Renegade staff help out on that. So uh, yeah, I kind of hard. Uh, kind of hard to say no. I'm going to this other thing where like none of our guys are working. Yeah. So you know. well, that's. I mean. Nathan's already had to expand the number of tables, yeah. So he's not hurting for players yep. in any way. Yeah, and uh, Nathan, in case you uh, need it, uh, please contact David Armand and the Renegade, and we'll see if you need. We can ship you like terrain and mats and stuff if you need help. I'll make sure to. We'll make sure to reach out to him and, and get the word to him. Sweet. All right. Well, everyone, uh, it's been another year in Wichita, another year at the Flying Monkey. Everybody had a great time. Hoping for Flying Monkey Year Five to be even better. Absolutely. So I'm Rob. I'm David. Good night, good gaming, and get out to Wichita next year for the Flying Monkey.
Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.